also a little bit of like buy a vibrator. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, buy a vi- <laughs> yes. I I will buy one for you. Hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> I will uh, dealer's choice. I just, I just actually, you know what? No, I will pick it because I don't trust you exactly. to not pick a Harry yeah. Potter wand or some yeah. shit. <laughs> e- good people of the internet and the podcast from the future okay i don't there's no tune to that francesca what's going on everybody welcome to the habituation room i am your host francesca fiorentini so happy to have you here thank you so much for pressing play because you can't be alone with your thoughts um i can't either don't worry i just have like there it's just a little hamster singing lizzo in my head that's all that it's it just it's you know well, I'm in great till you're gonna be great. Like, that's all that happens in here. Uh, it's also called anxiety. But it, in my case, it's a gerbil singing Lizzo. Um, anyway, uh, we have such a great show today. We're going to talk about um, the Iranian uh, social movements that have rocked that country and the world, have inspired um, people the world over. What is going on? What What is the latest in the crackdown on the people of Iran? Um, what does it mean for the future of the government um, and and the future of this movement that, again, began um, after a woman was murdered for not supposedly wearing hijab correctly? So we've spoken a little bit about this on the show, but super excited to um, have our guest on to break it down for us, uh, as well as comedian Brandy Posey is here back at it. And we're going to talk about a four day work week. Mm, yes, please. And um, sadly, a ruling that might be coming down any minute now um, from a Trump appointed judge about the use of mifepristone, which, again, is an abortion pill. And uh, it might be ruled illegal. So um, we'll break down exactly how and why and, um, you know, sort of redouble our fight against all of this BS. But while you're here, hey, like and share the stream right now. Give me a little thumbs up. How about give this podcast five stars right now? Do it. Um, Because there's more. We're going to end the show. It's going to get kind of serious. We're going to end the show with probably one of the least serious people I think I've ever seen on television. And I'm curious as to whether we stand, we like her, and all of her unfiltered glory, um, or if she is too cringe, too cringe for television. And I, that's a high bar. All right. The Masked Singer is on television. So Rudy Giuliani was on television. So we shall see. We're going to talk about that in the end. And then for all of you Frantifa, for the real Frantifa, for the ride or die, for the patrons, patreon.com slash habituation room, we have a bonus episode talking about, of course, the Dilbert cartoonist who just couldn't be chill with collecting a paycheck and had to just run his mouth, and uh, tell us what he really thinks about Black people. Cool. Um, No one was going to you for your expertise on the subject, bro. And then you just had to run your mouth. And oops, you self-canceled. You self-canceled. And um, good riddance, but we'll talk about what he said, how ridiculous it is. So that's all in the bonus. Patreon.com slash room to get that content. And once again, 
If you didn't know, you get all kinds of perks. If you become a patron, you get 20% off all merchandise. If you're a top tier patron, uh, $10 gets you a shout out, $20 and above. Every three months, you get a free piece of merch. If you are a patron, you haven't seen that, it should be in your inbox. I promise you it's there. There is a code. You can use that code at checkout. Um, and as a heads up, we will be doing a bonus episode, not after the show in starting in March, but on Fridays with just me. So that will be available to all patrons and Twitch subscribers and we'll be rolling out YouTube memberships. So I know this feels like a lot, but basically if you wanna watch and or listen back to that hour long stream that I'll be doing every Friday, become a patron or become a YouTube member or become a Twitch subscriber, basically just support this show. It'll be super fun, it'll be different, it'll be much more relaxed, um, uh, less structured, but and, but uh, you know, a little less serious, freewheeling and fun. Francesca Fiorentini, freewheeling and fun. Yes, fun, I remember fun. Anyway, uh, maybe I'll be speaking about, uh, you know, life as a mom, making some mom content on Instagram if you're interested. All right, let's move. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. I have a lot to bitch about. So everybody get your bitch caps on right now. Let's get into it. What are you bitching about? So it has only been a few weeks since the major train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, and um, I'm bitching about the fact that everyone's effing up right now. Everyone is terrible when it comes to this toxic explosion, um, when it comes to the safety of the people there, when it comes to the safety of everyone in the surrounding areas, um, in outside of Pittsburgh and in the, in the pathway of a lot of these trains and railroads. We have yet to get any guarantee that this won't happen again. Right. So that's just off the bat. Not only do we not have have we not made the people that East Palestine whole, not not only have we not addressed their persistent headaches and coughs, but we have also not guaranteed that we're not going to this is not going to happen next week or three weeks from now. Right. Again, we've put this in the bucket of mm, mass shootings. I, we know exactly how to stop them. Won't stop them. And I'm bitching about the fact that no one is looking good in the wake of this, not Joe Biden, not Donald Trump, not obviously governor of Ohio, DeWine. And we can take it for parts, right? So this would be, let's start with who's president right now, right? And the right is trying to lay this all on the footsteps of, uh, and the doorstep of Joe Biden, even though we know it was the Trump administration that rolled back Obama era regulations, allowing for these long, long trains to even carry these toxic chemicals um, and to be going at the speeds that they were going and to not have the brakes that were adequate to stop something like this um, if necessary. So the right is disgusting and ridiculous on it. But when it comes to Biden and Buttigieg, we're not hearing guarantees. We're hearing strong language. We're hearing Buttigieg saying he wants to work with Nor uh, Norfolk Southern. Norfolk Southern must come to the table. We've really been asked, God, we really want you to work with us. They've just been, they've been leading from behind, if you will, imagining that industry is just going to wake up one day and have a change of heart and be like, you know what? I don't need another zero at the end of my paycheck. That's never going to happen. All right. And so not only did this administration help preemptively break a train strike from railway workers, but now 
when this is hitting them in the face, the, the karma is immediate, immediate karma. And they can't even lead on this issue. You know, Buttigieg is making the media rounds. Buttigieg goes to East Palestine. He's wearing the vest, uh, wearing his hard hat, having his hard hat moment. Was like, I didn't know this job was going to be as hard. Um, but again, there's no promises. There's no, we are halting all trains that carry these toxic chemicals until we can guarantee that they are outfitted with the proper brakes, period. Nothing like that, right? So Buttigieg, Biden, over here. Then we got Trump, right? We've got the right. And this is what annoys me about the lack of response from Biden and Buttigieg is that Trump is trying to run to their, honestly, a little bit to their left when it comes to his fake populism, right? Going to East Palestine, talking about Trump water, um, talking about going to McDonald's, what's your specialty, right? He's using this, I think, pretty aptly as a moment to launch a presidential campaign, knowing that he's always um, spoken to the working class, even though he does not give an at all give a shit about them. But he's used them as props consistently. And he once again is doing that here. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, he's gaining in rural areas and he's always done well in rural areas. Right. So there's no exception here. Um, and because there's a lack of response from Democrats, Trump has a lane. He can do it. Right. As do other Republicans who are now proclaiming that they now care about the environment. So they're opening investigations. This is the latest news is there's going to be hearings about what happened in East Palestine. Like anything's going to change, like any of these lawmakers are going to advocate for stronger regulations. All of them are full of shit, y'all. Everyone is lying. And to prove everyone's full of shit, here is a bipartisan moment. Just brought to you by sheer like PR disgustingness that works where you have governor Mike DeWine and you have head of the EPA Michael Regan and head of the Ohio EPA and Vogel so you've got some bipartisanship here together drinking the water in East Palestine for the cameras and mind you I was looking at these clips and I'm like wait a minute there's two different times they did yeah they did it two different times. And I could tell because they had two different cups. So here they are toasting how clean the water is in East Palestine. Okay. Cheers. Right. Here's to you. <laughs> okay. It's pretty good water. Good water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Click, click, click. That's pretty good water, says Michael Regan. Um, there was another clip where Michael Regan goes, mm, nice and cool. Like, which, look, I don't begrudge a dude for, like, not knowing what to say in the middle of a photo op. You know, it's it's just, he's like, what do you say? <laughs> We're all here. I hope they all are poisoned by that water. I'm sorry. Because that is such a F you to the people who are living in East Palestine. Go move there. Go move there. Live there for a while. How about you live there? How about you raise your family there? This is, could be one of the biggest, I mean, one, I mean, I'm thinking of like the, B, you know, the BP uh, oil spill, obviously in the Gulf. But next to that, this could be one of the biggest toxic disasters, corporate um, induced toxic disasters of our lifetimes. That's what they're doing. So 
everyone can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. And uh, until we see action, this is all posturing. This is all bullshit. All right. And on that fun note, <laughs> I'd love to welcome to the stream, to the show, a comedian who hosts the Lady to Lady comedy podcast and her comedy album, Opinion Cave, is out now. Please welcome Brandy Posey. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hey, Francesca. I only put four holes into my wall right off the screen <laughs> in your opening. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's infuriating because it's like yeah you sipped a little bit of water once it's how about over time every day over the course of life like for weeks and months on end and then maybe maybe it might affect you a little bit more i don't know yep yep <laughs> fill fill your dog's bowl with that water yeah. and have them drink it every day yeah exactly it's just it's so disgusting and it's just everybody being like i how could this have happened and you're like i don't it, uh, it was a duh because you have to regulate them into doing it definitely a duh. like the most duh. yeah the answer should be like regulate them or nationalize them you know what i mean like <laughs> that's that's it you know what i mean like right. i don't know what to say <laughs> like if you i mean that's <laughs> it's but but i mean this whole thing you know it's yeah. like do, like uh all of it Honestly, the how many karmic chances do you get before like you just get like the the universe gives up on you and is like black hole? You yeah, know? Like, like we're about to find out. Times. I think I think we're we're super about to find out. <laughs> I just love it because it's like it's it's it just puts a nail in the coffin of all libertarian. We need to shut down the government mm -hmm. inclinations that this that the current Republican Party is under, right? And it's just like. As well as the Democratic Party. I mean, they're all neoliberals. Yeah. We sadly only call Democrats neoliberals, but they're all they all believe in neoliberal economics yeah. of zero regulation. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Anywho, Brandy, what are you bitching about? <laughs> okay. So my bitch this week, over the weekend, mm -hmm. it's been raining in Los Angeles. And yeah. I don't know if you've seen any of the footage of the beautiful eagles. There's two bald eagles in Eagle Rock that are in uh, in Big Bear that have um I have two eggs that they've been laying on and hatching, but because of the storms, they've been getting hit with snow and they've survived and they're doing great. It's a great, beautiful live stream. Uh, friends of BigBearValley.org, go check it out. My Ooh. bitch is, mm -hmm. they've had to shut down the comment section because okay. <laughs> oh, God, people, <laughs> people try to tell <laughs> eagles how to eagle. And this is... <laughs> People are in this comment section because they'll leave to go get a fish and the eggs will be unattended for a few minutes in the snow. And then people will be screaming at these eagles. How dare you? Your eggs aren't going to hatch. And do you know how to be an eagle? Maybe the eagles know how to be an eagle better than you do, Pam. If anyone knows how to be an eagle, it's definitely an internet comment section. Not not this comment section because everyone's tight here. But yeah, like, yes, no, the internet is trash and will be like, um, actually, you're sitting on your egg wrong. Yes, I'm just and, and so there's two eagles. There's two eagles. They're 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 a couple. Their names are Jackie and Shadow, which two Love also it. named by two very different people. <laughs> but also Jackie, uh, the lady eagle, she gets a lot of flack if she leaves for too long. But the second shadow shows up, people are like, he's such a good dad. <laughs> and I'm like, how, <laughs> oh my God. how are we putting this on Eagles? Oh my God. It's the exact I blame Disney, dude. They should have never made 
animals have like human feelings it's, they should never grafted that onto right. us it's wild to me how people or us onto them. yeah yeah people are just putting their shit onto these eagles and i'm like i'm sorry that your husband doesn't pay child support she yeah. is a male eagle these two things are not related i don't know <laughs> what we do that to everything. Like I do that to my own kid where my baby, like the baby where it's like, oh, I think the baby like is feeling like she wants to be more active today and get yes. out of the house. And it's like, no, you, yeah. you don't know that actually. You, yeah. she, that's just you and what you want to do. Of course. Like grafting it onto your baby and your kid. You're like, I think the baby would rather wear blue today because there's been a lot of pink, like shut up, you know, like it's the same thing we do. Um, to everything it's, and the internet's so good that's it's so truly wild funny. so there's at the there's a woman named sandy every day who yeah. does a big recap of what happened with the eagles that day bless sandy and last week yeah. she had to end one of her summaries with this quote while it may be difficult your worry frustration and negative con comments do not help either you or the eagles please hold a place of trust for jackie and shadow and mother nature that they may know more than we do and know what they are doing <laughs> Like, oh my god. What is the matter with people? I god damn it. I I was trying to pitch a podcast that was basically a version of like all the internet outrage in the small little ways that we like. Mm -hmm. And this is such a perfect story yes. for that. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good because of course we're going to ruin an ego. Yes. Beautiful we'll life. See dream. what happens. Yeah. If yeah, these yeah. eggs don't hatch, they're canceling Jackie. That's all I'm saying. Oh, they are. Jackie will be canceled. And I'm like, and she won't know because she's an eagle living her life who doesn't know what the internet is. Just having a beautiful time in a tree. She knows what she <laughs> How could she? I hope she exposes her genitals to everybody. I hope so too. <laughs> and then headlines in Vegas. Um, all right. <laughs> that was such, such a good thing to bitch about. Thank and you. we, sh I will check out that stream as soon as this is done. Yeah. But we have fun. No, we've got a lot to get to. Um, there is no weekly roundup because uh, Mama Tai Tai and <laughs> didn't get to it. However, we got some good stories. This is the week where. New study dropped um, that says that, hey, working only four days a week instead of five mm. is actually more productive and more lucrative for everyone. That's right, you guys. Wow. This happened in the UK. And let's discuss. It was led by the University of Cambridge and Boston College, along with uh, Research Organization Autonomy and campaigners at Four Day Week Global. 2,900 employees involved, and it was six months. Range of industries, including finance, advertising, healthcare, construction. And guess what? It bore fruit. 60% of workers said it was easier to balance work and responsibilities at home, while 73% reported increased satisfaction with their lives. Fatigue was down. People were sleeping more. Um, companies, they implemented this in any way they saw fit, but most popularly, they gave Friday off, so 32 weeks, but the same pay. Um, the researchers also found that fewer workers quit or took sick days during this period versus the same time as the year before. And of the 23 companies that shared sales numbers, on average, these businesses saw a, get this, 35% jump in revenue compared to the same period in 2021. Wow. It's not clear, however, whether these results are directly impacted by the change to the four-day work week, but lo and behold, there was more money. 
Um, and again, 71% of employees said they had reduced level of burnout. 39% said they were less stressed. One, um, one person interviewed by a researcher said they no longer had any Sunday dread, referring to the anxiety felt before a new week. Yeah, that's a, that used to be a daily dread for me when I had yeah. to go into the office. No, Sunday scaries are real, you know, and it's hard because it also like, at least for me, it would just force me to stay up super late because I just didn't want Monday to come. So I wanted as right. much Sunday as possible. So then you've set yourself up for failure going into the work week anyway. <laughs> totally, totally. You're like, I can drink after 10 tonight. Yeah. That was always my thing. It's like, nope, you cannot. Exactly. Um, you have to pass out into the new week to make it start. <laughs> That's the only way it goes. <laughs> I mean, office cultures generally changed a lot, obviously, since the pandemic. And I think a lot of people are like, I don't want to go back into work. But this is just generally like, no, working less actually yeah. makes you more productive when you are working. I've always felt also that like an eight hour workday is insane yeah. and that you only get, I think there are four productive hours in a day, like really productive four hours. Yeah. The rest is just kind of bullshitting around and like, you know, squeezing each other's tushes and stuff. Do they still do that? Uh, we still yes, do that, right? absolutely. That unfortunately is still happening. In as long <laughs> as there's HR departments, we'll hear about it. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. think a lot of this is like, obviously this sounds like it's more of a, and, and they say that it was a, a, across industries, but I am curious as to like, whether they had like fast food workers, you know, and obviously this is the UK. So people are probably generally less worked to the actual bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, a four day work week for, I mean, just for anyone in like the service industry or like people who are, you know, people whose like shifts are decided last minute. It just would be so incredible, right? Oh, for sure. Um, it changes everything because then it's also like you have a day to just rest you have a day to run your errands and you have a day to like be social and see your people in your life like that's exactly right imagine having that time i mean because when we whenever we do have a week that we do have like a day off you know for holidays or whatever it's always the best week everybody always comes back in a better mood like it's and you do get everything done that you need done you do yeah no that's exactly right you need a whole day a week just to do your bullshit yeah. you know i need that to you know punt my jury summons that mm -hmm. i just did for the second time and of course i'm we're going to talk about a juror later in the show yeah. but <laughs> you know you know do your laundry mm -hmm. clean your your fucking crap out like whatever you need to do that's one day second day totally friends family yeah. socializing and another day just to veg just straight yes. reset mm -hmm. calm um and i know you're speaking we're speaking as two comics mm -hmm who are partially employed. I don't mean, you know, yeah, yeah. Are, I'm underemployed. And uh, so granted, we've already chosen not to necessarily burn the candle on, on, yeah. like, on, on both ends. <laughs> There's drawbacks to that yeah, major ones. Yeah. Um, buying healthcare on the marketplace in my case. Uh, but like, but it's true. Like you, it's just, you don't need to work that much. We can all yeah. be healthier and happier. We were talking about health in the last episode of the show and a four-day work week completely falls into that i'm not so the other interesting thing is 92 percent of the companies that did this pilot program said they're going to continue i think uh, right. they would continue correction they would continue 30 percent saying it is a permanent change wow 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, I absolutely, I, I think it makes sense because also you have happier employees who like are feel respected by their, by their bosses and their place of work. You feel, but it does not take much to make an employee feel valued. You know what I mean? Like you're already yeah. doing, you're just like, all right, can you just pretend that I'm a human for a little bit? <laughs> and like, yes. then you will work harder for them. I mean, I remember I, the last time I had to like, get day job, I worked at like, I was a social media person at like an automotive marketing firm for years. It was Oof. the most like mad many but like with car bros <laughs> shit ever and God. like on fridays we always had full five-day week but at fridays at two o'clock we had a little happy hour in the back where you could have a microbrew and a bag of chips but you had to socialize and you had an hour and then you had to go finish your day and it was like nobody did anything for the rest of the day after that it was just like okay yeah. i guess i have to stay here till five also uh, by the end bullshit. of it's so stupid. It was also by the time I left that place, I was coming in at 1030. I was going to lunch at yeah. 12. I was yeah. then uh, not coming back from lunch until 130. And I was leaving at 530. And I did not get in trouble <laughs> because I got everything I needed to get done done. There you go. But aren't you quiet quitting, Brandy? Wasn't that quiet quitting that you just sort of phoned it in? And shouldn't we be monitoring you? I mean, that's the whole thing is yeah. like the other. I feel like Silicon Valley fucked this whole thing up because they started branding the idea that no, 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 we don't need to give you more time at home. We need to make office yeah. feel more like home, mm -hmm. which actually is what they're trying to do now to get people, lure people back into the office. Like nobody cares that you're offering all these dumb perks. Mm -hmm. It's that I don't want to hang out with my boss. Yes. Like I don't want to be around my coworkers. I need like me and my family and friends time. Yes. Um, These are not my friends. Just because there's a razor scooter here doesn't mean I want to be here on Friday. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. That being said, you know, I do want to give the other side. So there is a CEO that spoke to Business Insider oh. and gave, excuse me, for Fortune magazine and said, um, you warned, uh, just like any change, it will suit some and alienate others. And the reality may be that the structure doesn't suit every employee or business model. Pierre Lindemark, founder and CEO at the management consultancy Winnipeg Temp says. <laughs> this dude's like runs workshops on how to fire people en masse. Yeah. Uh, the truth is that the four-day work week isn't for everyone. <laughs> he warns that one less day at work could lead to increased anxiety and isolation as a result of having the same amount of work to do, but less time to get it done bullshit sir bullshit. you just want more time to fire people yeah <laughs> that's all you you psychopath get a friend you, i mean i guess the real thing is what when i was sort of alluding to earlier is again what does this mean for people in the service sector yeah. what does it mean for people who don't have aren't salaried yeah. who need those shifts you know like what is that what can their guaranteed income be you know and yeah. we how can we fight for that um and say you don't need to work seven shifts yes. a week or six shifts a week, you know, like yeah. four is fine. Um, and I don't I don't see it happening in this country anytime soon. But fuck, man, we yeah. it's been since uh, the early. What was it like 18? When was it, or like the no, I guess maybe in the early 30s. Maybe that was when whoa. Why am I blanking on when Haymarket was? But like oh, we've yeah, been yeah. fighting. Yeah. Well, we didn't get a five day work, uh, a five day work week until I think the 30s. Yeah. But Haymarket was before. Mm -hmm. So it's been. Yes. This has been a hundred year fight. Years, yeah. A <laughs> hundred years since we had the five day work week. I think we can fucking go for four. 
Like, I think we're, it's about time. There's a robot and, on Mars. You know what I mean? I think we can do what we need to do in four days instead of five. <laughs> I think we're capable no, of No, absolutely. And that's the other thing is like, actually, the it, advent of computers, mm-hmm. don't you think, isn't the whole, wasn't the whole point that we would have to work less hard? Yeah. That we could just chill and enjoy life. Remember that? Remember life? Um, but no, 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 no. We gotta, you gotta work like on the Google bus on your way to the Google campus. Um, anywho, but at least you can get a work. Week. You can get a cereal bar while you're there for free. So that oh, makes up for seeing your family. I think <laughs> it totally does. And like a haircut. Yeah. <sighs> and a nap pod. Although like, I'm not going to sneeze at a nap pod as someone who's like, yeah, we should. Oh, I, I want one in my house. Um, that's I guess that's the bed. Anywho, let's move on. Um, so this is the week where uh, the nation is awaiting a ruling from a Trump appointed federal judge as to whether the abortion pill mifepristone is legal or not. We'll get into this case. Um, but again, just like student loans, which are now being challenged in the courts, um, the right is has got a litany, just a just a yeah. lineup of all of any progress that this country wants to make. This, they have a legal strategy to roll it back. Um, so even though mifepristone has been in use for decades, it's over, it's part of half of medical abortions, or excuse me, I believe half of, me- of abortions are medical abortions, uh, meaning people take the abortion pill. pill yeah. And mifepristone is part of that. So misoprostol and mifepristone. Um, and let's just get into what the fuck this case is. So, it boils down to, in the year 2000, the FDA approved mifepristone for medication abortion. The drug is used with misoprostol to induce what is essentially a miscarriage. In November, abortion opponents sued the agency in effort to reverse the more than two decades old approval of mifepristone. So were the courts to ultimately take their side, it would be what some experts say appears to be an unprecedented situation, ordering the FDA to remove a medication from the market. <laughs> now, who are these uh, people? Who is do- who are doing this? Uh, they're Alliance Defending Freedom. Hmm, isn't that fun? Mm, just just like defending the freedom, freedom, yeah. freedom, Brandy, freedom for everyone except for people with uteruses. Um, a conservative legal group filing the lawsuit on behalf of four anti-abortion medical organizations and four doctors. The suit contends that the FDA lacked the authority to approve this drug and it didn't adequately study the medication and the pillar and safe. Sorry, I have to read it like that. This is exactly. <laughs> how it should be read. Um, so what is going to happen yeah. with this ruling and who's going to rule on it? This is very important to understand. Um, oh, hang on. The, so the brief was uh, last Friday, was due last Friday, and the, the ruling could come any moment from U.S. District Court Judge, Judge Matthew Kazmark. Biden officials have indicated they will fight any ruling that restricts medication. And in fact, there are um, currently, I believe, 12 states are preemptively suing um, for, I think it's, it may be the FDA, but they are basically suing, suing to um, allow them to continue to issue and use um, mifepristone and medical abortion. Great. So they're trying to get out in front of it. Yeah. But we got to understand, and here I'm just circling around this. We got to understand this, this bro. Um, uh, but, 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 um, this Kazimark. Mm-hmm. So if there's an appeal, 
if so if if there is if, if this is appealed by these you know about by like abortion activists mm -hmm. people who want to save abortion it's going to go to the fifth circuit um before landing at the supreme court now eric baptist the senior counsel for this americans defending freedom or alliance defending freedom says the group doesn't believe that it should go all the way to the nation's highest court because of facts and the law very much support our side no they don't no they don't <laughs> No, they but don't. But if it did go to the Supreme Court, we know what would fucking happen. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about um, Kazmark. Hang on. I'm just going to make sure. The abortion pills lawsuit, which Kazmark could rule on any day, is the latest in a long line of politically explosive cases to appear on the judge's docket in a practice known as forum shopping conservative groups have zeroed in on the amarillo division of northern district of texas which is where this judge is, operates as a go-to place to challenge a wide range of biden administration policies because amarillo is a federal district with a single judge plaintiffs know their arguments will be heard by casmark who like any federal judge is positioned to issue rulings with nationwide implications mm -hmm. and casmark has delivered for these fools. Yeah. So he ascended to the federal bench from the conservative legal group First Liberty Institute, has defended his ability to be impartial in his work as a judge, blah. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, many of his decisions have been wins for the right, including one that struck down the new Biden administration protections for transgender people and another that forced thousands of asylum seekers to return to Mexico while they awaited processing. So it's a set them up, knock them down. Trump appointed him. Yep. It's a small little district. They know they can funnel these cases through and it fucks everyone in every state. Yeah. And so the 12 states that might be suing will be suing Texas specifically. Um, so yeah, this is how yeah. it's like, you know, we had um, we had Ellie Mistel on the show a couple weeks ago and it's like he's laid this out about how you know, and to his credit, Biden has appointed many, many, many federal judges, but like, it's too little too late. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it, we've already just like the Supreme Court, we've been fucked on this. And we were fucked the moment Trump was elected president. Yeah. We knew we were fucked. And now we're seeing what's going what's actually happening in like in practice. The, the, the FDA didn't have the authority. Don't you love Brandy the yeah. way that they like, it's like, in terms of like Roe v. Wade, it's like, it's not that I believe that women don't have the right to uh, decide when they want to be a parent, but um, the constitution, like, shut up. Yeah. No, no. like, wh why are you, why are you putting this on the founders? Put it on yourself and your reactionary ass perspectives. Yeah. Stand up, have the, have the balls to say it, to say what you actually yeah. think. Just, just say it. You know what I mean? We all hear it coming out of your mouth. Don't make me have to think it. You say it then, if that's how you really feel about it. Totally. Don't don't offload this onto the FDA like, oh, they didn't know. Yeah. It is Mifepristone is safer than Viagra. Yeah, that's all you need to know about this country and patriarchy. Yeah, no, exactly. It's 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 disgusting. It's been a it's been the plan for decades and they're winning and they've executed it at every level. And it's incredibly infuriating to see like Dems doing too little too late where yeah. You know, just, I mean, just the hubris of thinking that Trump would lose and then not doing everything you can in that vacuum to have filled these vacancies beforehand or fought them. Or like, I, I feel like there's got to be something Biden could be doing now to be like, mm, these guys, you know, are they are they real? <laughs> like, should we count yeah. them as real judges? Like, take the gloves off, man. The rules have changed. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's just infuriating.
it's um I'm trying to like you know we've had Liz Winstead on this program yeah. who you know part of the work is actually getting Joe Biden to say the word abortion yeah to eat, to, yes. to just say it to say it. like we're beyond this like we believe in choice and yeah. oh if it's a last resort and like you know rare what is it like a yeah. like whatever their yeah, bullshit terminology yeah. was to get around the fact that abortion is super normal mm -hmm. it is normal in all cases that most people who have an abortions already have children mm -hmm. um and and so so you know biden made one reference to it during the state of the union but i again like like you're saying i'm looking for leadership i'm looking yes. for um look we've been we're a month into this new session i took a while to get in session mm -hmm. for congress yeah but I know February is a short month, but month, but let's go, let's go, baby. Let's codify this. Where are we, when are we yeah. making this the law of the land? Um, and so I will be looking, we will see if, if yeah. this actually is overturned and a judge, just like he, the judges are doing to the student loan relief and cancellation, uh, the debt cancellation. I am curious to see how Biden and the administration will respond to something like this. I just would love to see them go on the offensive in some capacity where it's just like, mm -hmm. why aren't you even just saying the fact that like, this is not a thing that mattered to Republicans for until relatively recently, historically right. was not a thing that they gave a shit until they were like, Oh, evangelicals, we're going to need this to actually get anything in our party. Like that was not a thing that they gave a shit about for right. most of the history of the United States. You know, it's like, why aren't you saying this stuff? Why aren't you calling it out and making them answer? Like, or yeah, or all the abortions that Republicans- uh, that they have. Paid for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and have had. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> where's the where's the oppo research on this stuff? Like, put it out there, gloves off. Totally, Glo absolutely. Let's haul back uh, Herschel Walker. Yeah. Let's let's bring it. I mean, yeah, it is very funny because you do. I'm always reminded of like the move that. <laughs> do you remember when Trump pulled all the women who had accused Bill Clinton of sexual harassment yep. <laughs> in front of the camera like a few yes. weeks before the election? I was like, damn, yes. damn, no, absolutely, like, damn. But also, kind of respect the game. That kind of respect that win. gangster. That's super game. Yeah, that's, that's how rules. you win. That's the rules. That's where we're totally. at. You know, it's like Democrats' ability to let fascism just slowly happen because they just want to be polite is what will actually get us all killed. And right. I want yes. I want Herschel absolutely. Mm -hmm. I want Herschel Walker, all of the women who came forward to said yeah. that he paid for their abortions. Yes. Herschel, we're not done with you, Walker. We're not done. Yeah. Let's let's hear from them. Let's talk. Let's hold Lindsey Graham to account mm -hmm. when he propped up your campaign. Does he does he still is he still against abortion? What do, what do you think about that? Yeah. Anyway. No. Um, no exactly. If you are, uh, are you if you're a paralegal that works for that knows anybody that works for any of these judges of any level, district up to the Supreme Court, and you have anything on them, release it. Just put yes. it out. Put it out because you know whatever <laughs> we should be burning it down at every moment because that's what they're doing and we're just the decorum will not get us anywhere <laughs> it's just not going to that's exactly right yeah. all right well let let's move on to our sitch mm -hmm. um speaking about what what is going on in iran the 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 social movement the the uprising from september um checking in on the state of it and what we're learning yeah. uh what's going on on the ground and what does this mean sort of for for 
internationally too, right? Any hopes of yeah. maybe U.S.-Iran easing tensions? Not sure. Um, but uh, Nagar uh, Mortazavi is here. Hi, an award-winning journalist and political commentator, editor and host of the Iran podcast based in Washington, D.C., who's been covering Iranian and Middle Eastern affairs as well as U.S. foreign policy toward the Middle East for over a decade. Nagar, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Great to see you both. Yes, good to have you here. Um, I, you know, we haven't spoken a lot about this since the murder of Masa Amini um, back in September. Um, and, And since then, there has been a an intense crackdown on dissent. Um, the state has come down um, in terms of disappearances, murders, executions, um, and repression. So t- tell us what's going on now and um, what your sense of the situation on the ground is for those who have not been following. Sure. So let me give a recap and then I'll talk about now in September, as uh, most of your viewers probably know, a young Kurdish woman by the name of Masa Gina Amini was visiting from a small town in the Kurdish region. Uh, She was visiting Tehran, the capital, with her family. She gets arrested outside a metro um, for wearing improper hijab, taken to custody of the quote-unquote morality police, or literally the guidance patrol, as they call themselves, Gashtershat, and dies in their custody, essentially murdered. Um, and then the state immediately starts to reject the fact that this was essentially a death and murder or a murder in, in their custody, put out these alternative stories that she had underlying health conditions, which her family has denied, and to refute essentially um, violence by this morality police, which has been documented and witnessed by many, many women over the past years. And so we saw an eruption of protests essentially, uh, initially against the morality police hijab and then the very um, basically radical slogans against the entirety of the system, no uh, to the ruling elite to the entirety of the Islamic Republic in the past few months. With women and young girls leading these protests, uh, essentially a feminist uprising, um, and with people risking their lives when they um, go to the streets uh, to protest. So far, we've uh, human rights uh, organizations have documented over 500 protesters killed. Um, Thousands were arrested. a number of them have been released. Uh, at least four protesters were executed by the state in very um, fast sham trials, again, as human rights organizations have called it. And basically, the state has used an iron fist to repress and to crack down on these women-led protests. And they have slowed down as far as the number of people we see on the street, but they also continue in other forms of civil disobedience and defiance. Just um, this week, uh, my friend Fanos Fassi had a report out in the New York Times about how women are increasingly showing up in public without the hijab, Mm -hmm. um, even in official settings, which is essentially a defiance of the law and the reason why Masa Amini is dead now. So uh, the dissent continues the anger, the grievances, the opposition, the protests, but the state has also really used violence and brutality to crack down on many of these protesters. Yes. And, and I think it's, 
it's incredible though in the in the beginning right there was there seemed to be like the the republic was scared that the there was a little bit of fear because the protests were really catching on like you said led by women but truly and about this issue but truly became about everything became about um the the government as a whole right um and and the the iron fist in just generally living your life so initially i remember and i'm not sure if this held that the morality police so-called was disbanded did that did that stay did that stick and has anything actually shifted or is it just been pure repression so that was sort of a complex news that came out of Iran with the judiciary figure saying there is no morality police because it had been rebranded recently and sort of restructured under which force it goes. And protesters had been reporting seeing less of this morality police because they were seeing riot here and right. riot forces. Right. So uh, police were out in like arms and on full riot gear to essentially crack down on the protests. But what's important, regardless of whether the morality police or this guidance patrol is around or not, or how long that will hold, they're trying to enforce it in other forms. So you would get an alert on your phone, a threatening SMS that you had been driving on the street without your hijab on. So here's a fine for you. Mm. If you're a business, businesses had been closed or threatened to be closed. If they had employees without the hijab or worse, if they served customers, there's a case of a bank, now drugstores. So the state has also these other sort of tools in our toolbox to enforce this mandatory hijab law, even if it's not necessarily through the morality police, it's also with the weather. Usually um, people report seeing more of this morality police during the summer where women naturally mm. wear less clothes. And it, as it gets colder in the winter, women put on bigger coats, you see less of that. So there's different, multiple different factors, but they haven't backed down, meaning the state hasn't really backed down and they've doubled down and really just responded to these protests with violence and with brutality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess my question is in terms of like political leadership, right? Like what are the openings when it comes to whether this is trickling, the uprising is actually touching the Republic at all. I mean, I am assuming there's no, I mean, this is a country without opposition, <laughs> without, you know, like, um, a democratic elections. Um, so who is allowed to take up the mantle of leadership without getting, you know, assassinated if, if at all, you know, are there any openings there or is this just, no, this is, this is about, you know, a latent Arab spring that is coming to Iran. I mean, it has before with the green revolution and so on. And I know, um, this is part of a long history of struggle, but yeah, I guess I'm just asking, like, where where do you think this movement energy now goes? So you mentioned the Green Movement back in 2009. The top leaders of that movement have been in house arrest since then. Um, also, leaders of the opposition outside the country live in exile. They can't travel back to Iran. So like you're saying, there isn't really a vibrant and, you know, official opposition inside the country. And many um, figures social political figures who show any form of leadership, many women, Nasrin Sutudeh, Nargis Mohammadi, are also either in prison or get constantly threatened for doing this, showing this kind of leadership of the movement. So 
you know, it's very difficult to say the state has shown very little flexibility, but at the same time, their reaction to the protests, as you're saying, indicates their fear of these protesters. They are clearly dealing with a crisis of legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether that crisis of legitimacy, meaning people or a big part of the society not wanting them, would that translate into a crisis of an existential crisis? That's hard to say because the state also has a monopoly on arms, on power, on violence. Um, These protesters go out with bare hands. They essentially put their lives on the line, their bodies, and they're met with various different uh, levels of force and violence. But um, the legitimacy crisis is serious. Even when people I hear from a lot of sources and people I spoke to speak to on the ground, when they can't go on the street, when the street gets too dangerous, people start chanting from the rooftops mm. or they go out in the, on the balcony at night chanting death to the dictator or mm-hmm. no to the Islamic Republic. So the defiance remains, the grievances remain, dissent remains, but how it can be portrayed and seen, especially by us from the outside is different. But the state also definitely does feel that they have a legitimacy crisis in ha- at hand. And I also want to reiterate the morality police or this mandatory hijab law is not only about the covering. Yes, the dress code is the most, um, you know, up forward and visible sign of it. But women also are treated unequally in many other aspects when it comes to the state and law in marriage in divorce, child custody, mm. even in the workplace. So they're dealing with these levels of discrimination in their private and professional life. And essentially, this is a continuation of a century-long struggle of vibrant women's movement that has been standing up not just to this state and this uh, issue of politics, but also core roots of patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, there's, I know, reports sort of suspicious um, poisonings of schoolgirls mm-hmm. trying to... Um, yeah, just attend, get an education, and they have been fallen ill. Is there any, do we know what's going on in that, if, with that? Well, it's been reported in multiple schools, and essentially they were trying to say that it's an accident, but it just kept recurring. And uh, just today I saw reporting by some officials, there was a conversation in the parliament by some officials that's suggesting that it's being done deliberately. Mm-hmm. Um it's not very clear who is doing it. Obviously, if it's happening in girls' schools, it's, it's forces, fundamentalists, possibly forces that have a problem with, with girls mm-hmm. being in school, getting an education. Yeah. It's also important to note that women and girls, meaning school children, high schoolers, some even younger, have been a part of the force leading this feminist uprising so it's all part of that big package again as i said of this state sanction discrimination patriarchy that's gotten really violent trying to put women in their place who dare to speak up who dare to protest who dare to dress as they like and who dare to get an education i i guess i wanted to ask because even though it is you this is the hand and the work of a a very patriarchal um state uh you know uh, anti-democratic patriarchal state you're saying like you've been saying this is more than just this is a feminist movement that it, it, many people have been involved in yeah. so men mm-hmm. have also been you know very active yeah. and in solidarity with the women which i think is 
just shows you how out of step the Islamic Republic is with mm -hmm. their own people, number one. Um, but also I think it's surprising and inspiring for the world at large to see that it, this is a feminist uprising that is that it has so many people in, involved in it, that it isn't just the women on their own. Certainly, women and allies, I should say, mm -hmm. women, girls and allies, obviously women and girls were the ones leading it. The spark of the protest is a women's rights issue, is a woman who died or was murdered in custody because of how she was dressed and many other women identified with that because that's how they dress when they go out and about in, with their lives, but definitely women and allies. And we've seen an intersectional community of protesters. So Masa Amini was a Kurdish woman, belonged mm -hmm. to an ethnic religious minority in, a, in, in a, an impoverished area of Iran. They have many of their own grievances against the central government and the protests essentially broke out initially in her uh, hometown of Sakhez and across the Kurdish region of Iran in Baluchistan, again, another ethnic uh, minority. There has been ongoing protests, even when you don't see as many people out in big cities in Baluchistan and Kurdistan protests have continued. And we've seen an intersectional community of uh, university students, mm -hmm. teachers, nurses, laborers, oil workers went on strike. So many, many different segments of the society bringing their own grievances, but also overlapping in their resistance to the current political, economic, and social structure. We, we need some of that here. Like we need... Yeah. Like like if the women of Iran can do this, then the women of the United States sure as shit need to do this. You know, like, you know, we're as yeah. we face our own, um, you know, like uh, religious right as well, um, trying to police our bodies. I I guess I wanted to turn to the geopolitics of this, right? You know, I think that something that has been surprising and upsetting, disappointing to me, is that while Biden as vice president did have a very important role to play in the Iran deal under Obama that now as president has failed to, um, I guess, jumpstart discussions or talks. And it seems like it is the agreement is dead. And I think just this week, you know, uh, Iran saying that they are now enriching new uh, uranium to the point where they can be used for weapons, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it all gets worse and worse and worse as the hardliners in both the United States and this country, because I always try to remind people, you know, obviously, number one, people aren't their governments. And number two, our religious crazies mm -hmm. who that are in control are also replicated around the world. Yeah. And when they, you know, and they are, and all of them around the world are in it basically so that we can just be at the brink of war and at each other's throats. Um, and they love that. That's super good for them politically, mm -hmm. internally. Um, but I guess wanted to ask you on like, how can the United States or should the United States or screw the government, how can Americans, individuals be in solidarity at this moment or help ease this situation? Well, one thing protesters and activists on the ground constantly say is to be their voice, to shed light like you're doing on this issue, to not forget that this feminist or this uprising is happening in their own little corner of the world and feel like they're forgotten. Um, and also there has been steps that the U.S. government has taken, some positive steps, for example, getting out of the way of Internet connectivity. Some U.S. sanctions, believe it or not, actually hindered access to the Internet while the Iranian state also itself Jeez. censors and blocks and filter in, filtered Internet 
So the U.S. issued what's called these guidances, essentially, for tech companies to say it's okay for you to provide these services mm-hmm. to Iranians that would otherwise not have access to. Mm-hmm. Also, another thing activists ask for in human rights organizations is to highlight and, and sort of designate or put sanctions on human rights abusers. So instead of broad economic sanctions that are mainly pressuring the Iranian working and middle class, these targeted sanctions or asset blocking of individuals who are violators of human rights that the U.S. has done some, the European countries have followed, Canadians have done, but that's just something that uh, activists have been asking for. But, you know, when it comes to the nuclear program, Mm -hmm. the U.S. itself, um, this is under President Obama, finally decided that it needs to be resolved through diplomacy. So right now with the lack of that diplomacy, that nuclear diplomacy. And when we talk about nuclear diplomacy, um, the Iranians are just escalating the nuclear program back there. It's all consolidated by the hardliners, as you said, the right-wing conservative hardliners who have the administration, the parliament, the overall political structure in hand. And they're making a shift to the east to um, being allies with Russia, supporting Russia, participating in a way in the attack on Ukraine and escalating the nuclear program in the lack of diplomacy. So I don't know what the strategy or the plan of the Biden administration is, but it hasn't worked in the past two years. So um, if the plan is to prevent and not yet another country from obtaining a nuclear weapon, then um, I guess there there needs to be a change in that strategy. But um, when it comes to the people, you know, there's also very limited Americans can do as an American, as an ordinary American, you can't, for example, send help to your friend in Iran in the form of financial help because of sanctions. You can't donate because people constantly ask me, okay, which are the NGOs we can donate to? There are no NGOs in Iran you can donate to legally because of US sanctions. So maybe that's also another request that, Mm. okay, why you put pressure on the government, on the abusers, why don't you open routes where we can safely donate to NGOs or individuals on the ground or right. in the form Absolutely. of family remedies? I mean, speaking so, of tech, like is something like Venmo is not available? Oh, no, uh, uh, definitely not. Even if, even if, Francesca, if I Venmo you today for, let's say, a lunch we had together that happened to be Iranian food in Virginia, that transaction can be blocked. It's, it's happened to me. Just the word. Wow. So that's how overzealous these sanctions around Iran are, and there needs to be more opening for people-to-people connections and help um, that the government has to do. And um, also, I wanted to I wanted to mention a couple of journalists. These yes. also happened to be women in Iran who initially broke the story of Masa Amini. One of them rushed to the hospital when Masa Amini was in a coma, and the other one covered her funeral in her hometown. Nilufar Hamedi and Elahe Muhammadi, who were arrested for doing their work, for being journalists, and were accused of all kinds of espionage, spying, and, um, and, and other accusations, months and months in prison, some in solitary, doing interrogations, and dozens of other journalists, photojournalists, who were arrested for covering uh, or shedding light on these protests, but mainly... As it happens, these two young women, Nirufar Hamadi and Ella Mohammadi, are the ones who really paid a, a big price for covering the story of Masa Muhammad, uh, of Masa Amin. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and part of that information crackdown and it has, I know, impacted you as well and just your your ability um, 
to speak um, about the issue, but also even to return to your country. Like that's not on the table. Yes, definitely. Uh, as I told you before the show, I don't enjoy talking about myself as part of the story, but unfortunately women journalists, even outside the country in the diaspora have become part of the story, especially in the past few months. We have the pressure on us by the regime having to live in exile, covering the country from a distance because it's not safe for us to return there. Our families have been harassed by the regime for the work we're doing. And then some, you know, radical forces or opposition forces also have been attacking us, harassing us, smearing us for doing our work as journalists, for bringing, bringing nuance to the story, for essentially being objective and professional and trying to give voice to those women. So it's been a tough few months with death threats, rape threats, doxing of personal information, and even a bomb threat. I had a panel speaking at the University of Chicago and a bomb threat was sent to that university to try to get the oh panel canceled. So oh it's God. just been really um, horrific, even for, for some of us in the diaspora, but obviously much worse for women in Iran who are actually sitting or have been sitting in prison for doing journalism. Right. And they and I love how authoritarians have opened this new channel on the Internet, too, where they like basically pay for a crazy troll armies, you know, mm -hmm. to uh, harass yes. anyone speaking out on the issue. Yes. Let me give a shout out to Elon Musk, actually, because <laughs> after the takeover of Twitter, that has just gotten so bad. I mean, it was bad, but it's just gotten worse. And I haven't tweeted in weeks, if not months. I know other women who just don't feel safe enough on Twitter that they've either closed their accounts or have stopped, um, you know, being active there. And you see some of these abusers being reinstated on yeah. Twitter yep. for violations they've committed in the past. So it's just, it's, it's at least that one platform is getting much worse and the other ones are also not doing great. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is, it's one thing to think about like uh, our country's like the United States' own problems in that context. But then, yes, thinking about ugh, just the world over and the ways that misinformation and harassment and doxing and all that. Um, this is life or death. I mean, it yeah. truly is. And that kind of a platform being having these folks on there is just it, it's uh it's the worst. It's just it's just enabling all the fascists and authoritarians. So anyway, um, <laughs> anywho, no, uh, Nagar, it's really nice to get this download from you. And I and I, I is there anything else that you want to add or that people should know about? Well, I forgot to mention that the main slogan of this protest, I just want to say that again and again, is woman life freedom. It's such mm. a simple, but I think progressive and forward-looking protest, three simple words, woman, life, freedom. They say it in Farsi, Zan, Zendegi, Azadi. They say it in Kurdish, Jen, Jian, Azadi. And it's just, I think, the simplicity of what their demands are, that they want equality for women, they want a better life, and they also want freedom. And it's just, I think it's a beautiful moment that's happened in Iran, despite the crackdown, the violence, the brutality, but it's just a very beautiful and very courageous thing to watch when we watch these young women and girls and their allies yes. um, standing up to an authoritarian patriarchal system absolutely uh, yeah sadly if if there was a movement in this country whose slogan was woman life freedom you can bet it would be an anti-abortion organization <laughs> <laughs> we believe in women's freedom and life yeah mm, do you i feel like yeah i don't want to fuck with you no. <laughs> but yes 
um, returning to what those words actually mean. Uh, I, I feel it deep. And thank you so much for breaking it down. Thanks for being on the show. And also, you're the host of the Iran podcast. If people want to dive deep and get more information, um, is that a weekly or or how can people... Is that a is that a limited series? And what are we working with here? So it it was a weekly podcast. It's been on pause as we're restarting or relaunching uh, the new series or the new season this year. Right. I think next month. But no, it's it's uh, it's certainly uh, going to be out there with some also episodes about women, life, freedom, and this movement. But thanks for for mentioning their own podcast available on all major podcast platforms in audio. Absolutely. Um, All right. Well, uh, Nigar Mortazavi, thank you so much. I'm Mortavazi. I'm sorry that I'm butchering your last name. And uh, (laughs) and it's been such a pleasure, but take very, very good care and come back and, and we'll talk again soon on all this. Thanks so much. It's great to see you, Francesca, Brandy. Thank you both. And hope to be back again. Absolutely. Hell yeah. And Brandy, we have, oh, one more segment. Bring it on. just the man. See, that's the thing. Like talking about just seeing the, the, that- the solidarity that like another country is is to see what they are capable of in the face of 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 all of that is it's it's so horrifying but so inspiring too. Yeah, and just like the yeah the brave the bravery is you know it's I you want to be able to do everything you can to help. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, and yet I think there's, it's such a successful, what happens with any issue. Um, if you speak out about it too much. And as, mm-hmm. as, as Nagar was saying, like you get trolled incessantly. Yeah. And so at what point do you give up? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a strategy is to be like, well, every time I talk about this issue, there's all these haters and mm-hmm. it's, I hate it. I it's, mm-hmm. it's bad. And then six, you know, they win yeah. kind of thing. And so it's, it's very difficult, especially on an issue that people don't really know that much about. I mean, mm-hmm. myself included where it's like, well, I don't know every single in and out. And it's the same thing with like Israel Palestine, where like, you're always told like, well, unless you know, literally every piece of cord that yeah. was or was not, you know, signed or failed and, or, Mm -hmm. you know, like then you can't speak out about Palestinian human rights. Like then you have no leg to stand on and you're, you get sort of trolled into submission and silence. So it's so important that people don't Mm -hmm. do that. Um, Just a few comments. The OG mountain dragon saying sad that most outlets don't cover this anymore. True. Um, Dan Bifano says tear down the global patriarchy. Indeed. Absolutely. Um, Brandy Nuance on Twitch says, if they rebranded, are they still the morality police? Is that like the Scorpion unit? Yeah. yeah. Ding, ding. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Yeah. They're going to come back as like, what are they going to come back as? Just like the Bobcat unit. Yeah, exactly. The Howlin' Wolves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the Katesh on YouTube says the right wants this in the United States. Absolutely. I mean, we're we're not far away from that, right? Like we're yeah, not yeah. far from policing what people are wearing um, and who you're hanging out with, mm-hmm. you know, getting a citation for being like three women talking on a street without a male present, you know, that kind of shit. Um, yeah. We're not far. See. We're not far from it <laughs> at, at all. People need to understand how much we have in common with what's Yo, going on. I mean, this is the, the, like, I did a speech, I did a story on El Salvador. I've talked about this a lot, but on El Salvador criminalizing miscarriages, mm-hmm women who've had miscarriages wake up in handcuffs in a hospital because because 
the right the the rights of the unborn are enshrined in their constitution, which of course the right in this country wants to do. And so then they get charged with homicide. And when I did it in 2016, it was like, this is never gonna oh, oh just yeah, few years. Just wait. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just wait a few years and it's coming. Cause this I believe Oklahoma, I might be wrong. Maybe it's one of the O's, mm-hmm. definitely not Oregon. Yeah. But uh, the idea that um, charging people with homicide if they do have an abortion, and that's coming. Um, and then Bad Lefty on YouTube, why uh, sanctions act as a collective punishment and hand more power to the powerful. Yeah, yeah. look at Kim Jong-un. That dude is not starving. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Boom. <laughs> uh, and finally, we have one more segment, guys. And we're calling it, uh, well, no, let me set it up first. Let me. <clears throat> so we sometimes do a segment on the show called the Cringies, where we have like three different videos of people who did something incredibly cringe this week. Okay. And there was just such a runaway winner, Randy, that I was like, we need to Ooh. just give her her due. I'm excited um, to meet a queen, a cringe queen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah honestly, a cring- cringe queen. Coming at you. Her name is Emily Kors, and she she was a four person on the Georgia Grand Jury. So I believe that means like kind of a spokesperson, mm-hmm. a four person, or maybe they're all. I don't know, y'all. If you know what I think, it's, I'm that's I, the person I that this. reads the or that like is like the speaker for the jury. Like they're the one that's like here's the paper for the judge or whatever. If right. if movies have taught me anything, I think that's who that person is. Thank you. Yeah. Now, is that it was she the four person because she was the most compelling among them? Or was she the four person because she was the first person to raise her hand and go like, ooh, 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 please. please. Probably that. Probably that. (laughs) I'll let I'll let everyone decide. I'll let you decide when you listen to this and watch this. Um so as we know, okay, this grand jury has been investigating whether or not Trump and his lackeys basically tried to rig the election after the fact in Georgia, trying to find what it was, Mm 11,700 votes or whatever he needed. Mm -hmm. And their report is in. Um, They were tasked to present this report with suggested um, indictments or not to the, the, the district attorney. They've done this. And they, again, grand juries are made up of lay people. And you'll see just how lay this person is. Here is Emily Kors. We're going to stop and start if we can talk. Here she is. Talking about multiple people. Yes. And she, sorry, let me just get, set it up. She's, she is talking about sort of cagely answering what is in this report. What have been the suggestions? This is um, MSNBC, no, NBC Nightly News. And so we're talking about multiple people. Yes. How long, how many people? people? Was this a long list? It's not a short list. So we're talking about more than a dozen people. I would say that. Yes. Okay. Okay. First of all, she's got like a little bit of foam in the corner. Of- uh, she's like a Lena Dunham character study is what she feels like. I feel like this is just a kid. Right. This is gr- girls does grand jury. Yeah. Like- that's like what it feels like. It just feels very. Ugh. How- now, Brandy, I know how old she is, but how old do you think she is? In her soul? Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, she's got the mannerisms of like a 48 year old woman, but I believe she's probably like 23. Mm, she's so, I mean, basically in, right in the middle there. She's 30. Oh, okay. 
Got it. But for like, and I say this with all due respect yeah. to people with cat lady. Actually, this is more than cat lady vibe. This yeah. is like, <laughs> I have iguanas, you know? No, this is a snake bitch. This feels. This... <laughs> <laughs> just so awkward and weird. I would say yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. And really excited about her responsibilities. And we will see how excited she is. Let's keep going. Are these recognizable names, names that people would know? There are certainly names that you would recognize. Yes. There definitely are some names that you expect. Did the grand jury recommend an indictment of former President Trump? I'm not going to speak on exact indictments. Oh, my God. Okay, look at this. Okay, so Ugh, little she face. Says, she says that, and if you're listening as a podcast, she then scrunches the entire bottom of her face and is like, um, "But we totally did it." It's suggested he be invited. Oh my God, this is ugh. oh God. Yes, look. Um, she's like no. if the Keebler elf had arsenic. Like that's her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We might even. I. You know what's so funny about this? And, and I look as someone who wants to see Trump fall, 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 and like just burn into a million pieces. He's doing it on his own, yes. right? But it is just so funny to me that in a time of like, like again cringe resistance libs yes. that are like once trump goes away all of our problems are gone yes. that like this is like the face of the jury that's gonna like you know fucking finger him yeah yeah no, no. <laughs> this is, it's such a letdown if no. you're like a resistance lib you know yeah yeah <laughs> no exactly oh so sad <laughs> Oh God. Anyway, okay, there's a little bit more. She talks about how she actually wanted to swear Trump in if there was indictment, an indictment. Uh, uh, uh. Would we be surprised? Are there bombshells of who is I being don't think, for indictment? I don't think that there are any giant plot twists coming. So nothing that would surprise people who have been following this? Uh, probably not. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh. It, like, this is like, hey, what happened to that chick in high school? Yeah. Who, you know, I was saying before the show to Paige, like sort of wore overalls, but too late in life and not as like a bring back, like not yes. as like a nostalgic throwback. I'm wearing all, but like a, you're wearing corduroy overalls, are you 10, but you're 17, you know, that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, this this girl, like, she's got a real, like, doesn't have scoliosis, but uses scoliosis as an excuse in gym class. Like, that's... Right, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, very, very, like, I wear headgear to, like, but, but like, as a fashion statement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, she didn't put her hair back in shop class and got a chunk ripped out. Like, that's, like, very... <laughs> I don't know how to use my hands! <laughs> There's just it's so fucked up to troll someone like, like it's so fucked up to comment about this, but but also honey, stop. No, stop. You know what I mean? Like yes. some people need to tell you honestly, like yes. just don't. Yes. You know? Speak from your fucking like lady balls. Like I want to hear <laughs> what you have. Just uh. look at the interviewer and yes. speak from your lady balls, please. Yes, stop perching. I know you're sitting, but it feels like you're perching. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's more. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to characterize anyone else's reaction, of course, but so that was when we heard a lot in testimony. Um, but 
Probably not. It probably wouldn't shock you. I would not expect you to be too shocked, no. And that includes of the former president, potentially? Potentially. It might. There were a lot of people that we could have subpoenaed, and there are a lot of people that we honestly, like, might have subpoenaed, but there was also, I don't know, partially the time factor. When someone, like, for example, goes before the January 6th committee and says they plead the fifth 200 times, do you really expect them to come before you and say something different? Well, that was that was cogent and smart. Yes, I'll give her that. I do wish that Alex Jones had to meet this person, though. I would love the idea of them in the room together. Amazing. <laughs> she needs she needs to be on Rogan yes. immediately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that it. would be an awesome moment. Guys, so we're they let anyone onto juries, all right? This is a jury of your peers. So there is a little Emily Kors, there's a little just cringe ass, mm -hmm. not even twee, twee chick in all of us. Yeah. Yeah, we the fate the, and sits in their hands. I just punted my summons. I was just like, you know, look, I, I have a baby. I don't want to do this right now. Yeah. But now, Brandy, I'm regretting that, and I'm like, I must stand up. Yeah, because God damn it. Yeah, I can hold eye contact, <laughs> and Emily Kors cannot. I know, I know. It's. Uh, I'm surprised she didn't just grab a balloon and fly away at the end of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> just feels like how she should exit. I'm like, all right. Toodaloo. And then she does a spin and disappears into dust. Like she definitely curtsies after like everything, right? Oh, like she yeah. hopped off the, the little the little stool and was like, thank you. Yeah, exactly. It's not oh god. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, the case is going great. I'm sure it'll be I would be very afraid if I were Roger Stone and Mark Meadows and Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump. I very, guess, very at afraid. the very least, you want the foreman to be somebody that could get laid at Comic Con. Uh <laughs> sorry I'm being so mean. It's just very fun. Uh <laughs> but also like it's the most nobody wanted to do this energy. Like it's just the like and and so she just volunteered again the yeah. ooh 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 pick me. And like what are you gonna do? You can't you can't all like make eyes and be like, you know, I don't really want her to present for the team for yeah. the like but she wants to do it so bad. And I, this is a, I don't want to. it's a fucking book report and I don't want to do it. Yeah. It's a group project. She's group project energy. Mm -hmm. Like I'll do all the work in the group project. Yes. Just because you did not get cast in Oliver does not mean that you should be the foreman <laughs> on a jury though. <laughs> totally. And you're like, and you're like, you, oh, you'll let her do the work, but should you have let her do the work? Yeah. Anyway. <sighs> Um, very funny, super cringe, uh, like no disrespect, but also a little bit of disrespect. I just like also a little bit of like buy a vibrator. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, buy a vi <laughs> Yes. I, I will buy one for you. Hit me up on Twitter. I will uh, dealer's choice. I just, I just actually, you know what? No, I will pick it because I don't trust you exactly. to not pick a Harry yeah. Potter wand or some shit. <laughs> 
I don't need yeah, this no, Hufflepuff ass bitch up in here. Come on, honey. Like, <laughs> you, you definitely don't trust her to pick out her own vibrator. No, that's for sure. No, for sure. She's gonna be like, oh, I'll get the one with one star review. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because I wanted to like help it, you know? Yeah, I just, it didn't get any love. I just, what if I just put this cat toy up my pussy? Would I do the same thing? Because <laughs> then we get butt play. Wee! I'll get you, Donald Trump. After I swear you in, you have to look at me and tell the truth, but I can only maintain eye contact for three seconds. I mean, to be fair, Donald Trump having to speak to that person would be punishment. <laughs> but yeah. but he oh would God. be very such good television. Really, it'd be really good TV. It'd be really good. So TV. good. See, like, why is it always the cash me outside women and bit like who get like their like shows or like honey boo boo? Like, you know, yes. the people who like they're so, so incredibly camera friendly. Mm -hmm. And so like, what about the people who are actually allergic to the camera? Like, I know when did they get their time? It's a good question. <laughs> it's a good question. Um, all right. We we have to end it there. This has been so much fun, and yeah. I hope Brandy can join me for the bonus. I'll be we're over talking there. about hell yeah, we're talking about Dilbert and uh, the cartoonist who just canceled himself. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll look at what he said exactly. But Brandy, where can people find you and follow your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandazzle, BrandyPosey.com. I uh, tour all over the place, so find me on my website and my Twitter and my Instagram, especially Instagram. And um, I'll be in the Midwest in April. I'm all over the country this year. So come find me. Amazing. I'd love to meet you. Yes. Hell yeah. All right. We'll see you in the bonus, Brandy. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you all for being here for all of your comments. Um, a lot of people, a lot of love for Brandy over in the comments. Wait. Oh, my God. Um, thank you for your super chats. We got a, oh, God, rock and roll forever uh, trying to recruit me for president, vice president. Ida Rola Fiorentini 2024. First of all, I'm not a running mate, okay? I definitely am top of the ticket. Fiorentini, whole thing, whole name. Um, Seafish on YouTube. This is legit my favorite podcast. Uh, such amazing guests, I think you say. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate it. Martin on YouTube, just like when Montgomery, Montgomery Burns tried to eat the three-eyed fish. Yes. The Simpsons is always right. Like all, it all just comes back to the Simpsons. Everything is a Simpsons episode. Oh my God. Um, and like D Hubert said, Obama and Flint that it's just constant bad lefty, but big Flint energy. Um, and Tim Newman on YouTube, nationalization of the rail infrastructure is a much needed move. The trucking industry runs on public roads and airlines are under federal flight control. Railroads need to be too. agreed. Um, Brandy Nuance on some eagle knowledge. Did you know Jackie had a dude before Shadow, though? No joke. Uh, what? Let me find out. Um, Quesadilla79 on Twitch says, My union job got us a four hour, four 10 hour shifts and three days off. That's pretty good. That's I still four. I mean, that's a little more than I would like to work. I still, again, people need to take a load off. Um, Jeff. Jeff Perty, thank you so much for the super chat. Really, really appreciate it. And Bad Lefty Haymarket on, was on May 4th, 1886. Thank you. I knew it was a, sort of close to the turn of the century, um, but it wasn't for another 50 years, I think, or so that we actually got the five-hour work, work week and eight-hour work day, um, which is what they were fighting for. 
Um, bad lefty also habituation rooms. New schedule has made my Sundays a little longer. No shade. Look, you're going to have a Friday show, a Friday show, a Friday show, a Friday show. Martin says I got an invite to be- participate on a grand jury. Can't decide if I want to any thoughts. I say yes. After what we just saw. Absolutely. Yes. Um, it's our civic duty, I think, but you don't get paid. I don't even think grand juries get paid guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know that regular jury duty, you don't get paid. Um, I I think there's free coffee. I also think some jobs give you like, they give you time off to, if you have jury duty, but anywho, that has been our show y'all. Uh, and with that, of course we need lay farts off. Thank you to all the patrons at $10 or more, which gets you this shout out to Brennan Monat. Welcome to the Francifa. Thank you so much. To Kevin O'Neill, upping your pledge. Kevin, crushing it. Thank you. To the big tippers, Robert Gilbert. Thank you so much, Robert. You are such such a sweetheart that farts for you marcus aurelia 75 on twitch resubscribe for one month at tier one subscribe for 10 months what up um willie gus cheering 100 bits thank you so much punch up dragon resubscribing with prime subscribe for seven months calm like a bomb resubscribing uh for one month at tier one 10 months subscribed bellator phantasma dragon subscribe with prime welcome bellator welcome 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 super happy to have you and thank you to Paige Omek, the producer on this show, to Maximilian Inhoff, and to Andy Vasoyan. We stream every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, on YouTube and Twitch. And remember to follow the show on Twitter, Habituation Pod, TikTok, and Instagram at Franny Fio. And remember also to fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it, be about it. Later. <laughs>